we help people who have these big platforms or this big influence and are unsure of what to do with it. So, you know, especially with the, you know, emergence of cancel culture, I think many um, individuals are just scared to lend their voice to a certain cause or a movement or a conversation. Um, so we act as the ninja to really uh, effectively strategize how to deliver the core message. Great day, great day. You are listening to the Jerisha Said Podcast, episode 57. Having the courage to start your own business and actually sell your consulting services online can be tough. Look, it may not be easy, but it can be simple. In each episode, we take a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to serve your clients, sell your services, and scale your consulting business online. All you have to do is listen to what Jerisha said. So if you are ready for a transparent, I'm talking all the way real, edge snatching strategies, grab your castor oil and keep listening. I am your host, former engineer, turned online high ticket sales coach, Jerisha Hawk. Pollyanna Reed and I met in the comments of a Facebook post sometime last year and her openness to be of service and mentor others, including myself, is what ignited our relationship. In today's episode, we will be learning how Pollyanna went from freelance writing to managing and operating three growing businesses, how she leveraged her skill sets and tapped into a lucrative niche, which now allows her to secure four and five figure contracts. Pollyanna Reed is the co-founder of New Girl on the Block, a mentorship program for millennial women, helping them navigate the path between professional success and personal fulfillment. Her passions include advocacy for anti-bullying and mental health, in which she contributes her full-time spreading awareness, providing expertise on media platforms and delivering keynote talks in schools nationwide. When she is not working with young adults, she is growing her brand as a professional writer. She has successfully crafted a business in storytelling as a journalist, author, celebrity ghostwriter, and senior contributor for Forbes Women. If you've ever been eager to hear how someone has literally profited off of their passions and evolved through the process, turn up the volume and keep listening. Pollyanna, like first and foremost, you are a force to be reckoned with. You are a woman that has like such a huge heart of generosity and like through every interaction I've had with you online or in person, like you have this just dedicated nature to like and like, to help the, the sister sitting next to you. And that's something I've just always really admired about you. Um, and do, like, I'm just curious to know, like, where did that start to foster with you? Like, where did you really develop that, I don't know, like just this innate desire or drive to mentor other people, pour back into others, and like you just do whatever you can to help others succeed if they're willing to like meet you there too? Absolutely. So uh, I actually dropped out of college uh, in 2008. And following um, that decision, it was women who did not even know me, who took a chance on me, who bet on me, who believed in me on days when I didn't believe in myself. Women who took me under their wing as their little sister and kind of taught me how to get climb out of the hole that I was in. And from those relationships that I've coveted, that I've nurtured, I honestly, I just feel this obligation to pay that forward because I just don't think people understand that mentorship like can physically and mentally and emotionally change the game. And because I've experienced it firsthand, I want to pour back into other people who are, like you said, willing to meet me halfway and do the work. 
Yeah, and um, that's something I've noticed with you personally, like in the interactions that we've had, and I know this is the work that you're doing in one of your companies, New Girl on the Block, where yes. not familiar, this is like a mentorship platform for millennial women. Um, to my understanding, there's over 200 females in nine different countries that you mentor, which is yes. baller. Um, but like, <laughs> decide, okay, thinking, like, I'm just trying to go back and peel back the layers on this, but like that girl that somebody bet on, what do you think, um, like, why did they bet on you? And, like, what kind of factors and decisions do you make now on deciding who you're going to, like, bet on and invest in? Absolutely. So I was willing to do the work even before they bet on me. So they saw me in motion. They saw that I was exhausting all of my resources, that I was eager to uh, to learn and follow my curiosity. So that's always attractive for a mentor, right? Someone who's hungry. I always tell my girls, you know, the women that I work with, you know, the people who succeed, my, my biggest success stories are the ones that are texting me at 2 a.m., the ones that have those aha and light bulb moments and they want to know more, the ones who are coming to me with, you know, with new insight that they've learned and we're having these, you know, these great brainstorm sessions. You have to be hungry and driven and have that self-motivation and and what I offer you is just icing on the cake, right? It's just leading you to the answer. Mm. So I go through a very thorough um, assessment process before I don't just take on anybody because I really do think chemistry is important for a mentorship. Um, so I go through a very thorough assessment process. Um, and if we feel like, you know, this is a good fit, just like a pair of shoes, just like a therapist, then we proceed. But not everyone makes it in the gate. Um, and I have to do it that way for the sake of, you know, both of our futures, because I always, I just want to promote the, the idea of mentorship. If I don't become your mentor, that's cool. But I want you to leave, leave with in the, I want you to leave the conversation knowing that mentorship is a great direction to pursue. Yeah. And I love that. And with, um, and, Guys, Pollyanna has multiple businesses. So there's New Girl on the Block. There's the Writer's Block. And I know that you have the YouTube channel now with this, like, more so documenting the CEO of your life. You're a two-time author, amazing public speaker. When did, you know, I know you started your first company at 21. What was the first thing that you sold? Was it this mentorship? Was it the Writer's Block? Like, how did the... You had all these ideas and desires, the skill sets and this passion to mentor and support others. How did you articulate that into a business model? And what does that kind of look like for you guys in today's world with all the businesses and brands that you have? Yeah, so my first company at 21, and nobody really knows this at all unless you like dug like years prior. Um, I was a celebrity fashion stylist. So this these were the days of like when Sean Kingston was popping. You know what I mean? That's how long we're talking. <laughs> So me and my business partner were dressing, you know, video vixens. Like that's how like, people who are listening to this podcast today, they probably don't even know what a video vixen is. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that was my first business. It was my first taste. Um, I used to execute and produce fashion shows as well. So that was like my taste and I've evolved since then. I had um, an experience that happened, you know, I was working in media and entertainment and I was like, you know what, this is not for me. And I kind of want to segue into what, what feels good. And that was motivating. And that was writing. And so I was a freelance journalist for many years. And so I really had to think about, okay, do I really want to just pitch an article here, pitch an article there and just get scraps of money when it, when it happens. And I didn't like that life at all. So I really wanted to transition into, well, I started the mentorship program first, but then 
shortly after the mentorship program, um, I started the writer's block because I'm like, I'm not just going to reach for scraps anymore. I want to start a business and have a business model where I'm earning four, five figure, uh, figures um, a, a year. I love that. And thank you for breaking that down. Cause I, what did you study in school before you dropped out? Um, I was actually in business administration. Okay. So I just think it's interesting how our talents will showcase themselves and mm -hmm. how you've pivoted a lot from like video vixens and media entertainment fashion, which is still very like, you're still like a fashion goddess now. So I'm not <laughs> by that. Um, and then how that transitioned into freelancing, mentoring, and then the writer's block. How were you in the, like, can you maybe take us back to what your mindset was like and what your perspective was on business when you were freelancing and then when you started the mentoring program? Was this all for free? Like, how did that work in regards to the numbers? And when did you make that conscious decision to say, okay, this got me here, but it's time for me to elevate and offer like a higher level service to get these four and five figure clients consistently? Absolutely. Okay. So when I was freelancing, yes, it made my heart feel full. I was doing something that meant a lot for me, but I knew that this was not going to pay my bills, nor was it going to fund the lifestyle that I absolutely dreamed of. I think it's very important to have clarity around what does that look like for you and then reverse engineer it. So that was obvious to me, right? So then I transitioned into, as I continue to build my brand, I received so many questions, inquiries, can I pick your brain, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, let me add structure around this because I was trying to save the world you know, doing like pouring into people. And then I wasn't receiving thank yous. People weren't even buying me the coffee that they asked me to come out to, you know, it was, <laughs> oh, it, <God>. was <laughs> it was a struggle. So I'm like, let me add structure. That's when new girl on the block came about because I was like, if I have structure to this, then I would, I'll feel better and more comfortable around charging for my services. So then I, started off doing it for free because I wanted to test the waters, figure out who my ideal client market was. And then about a year into New Girl on the Block is when I started charging. And over the course of the last three years, I've increased my rates, you know, slowly but surely. Um, and it's still in comparison to other mentors, coaches, it's still very, very reasonable. Now, it, again, talking about clarity about my future, I knew at some point, so right now, you know, I've mentored over 200 women in nine countries. Many of my evenings are spent on one-on-ones. I know that at some point in the next few years, I want to have a family. I want to have a husband, a household to run. I'm not going to be able to mentor at this capacity. So I'm currently actually thinking about hiring a next-gen CEO to really take the company and run with it and maybe just step back as like a board member or just an advisor. So that's like where my headspace is with New Girl on the Block. As for writer's block, the writer's block, now I started this while I was at my uh, nine to five. Right. And so the LinkedIn CEO taught me um, years ago that as the founder and the leader of the organization, my job is to grow the business. My team's job is to maintain it. So my secret to the system that I use was hiring smart and hiring fast. Right. So while, while I was a side hustler for many years, I recently quit my uh, my nine to five in February. I made sure that a lot of my income went into the contracts and the salaries of, of my team, whether it was the researchers, the ideators, the designers, my assistant. Um, and so while I was hunting for the business, which is what I love, I love being in the field. I love sitting in meetings. I love pitching. My team was maintaining the business and they continue to maintain the business of, of the writer's block. Thank you for breaking that down. Um, and I love what you learn from you and you're a very much a leverage of skills that you're, you're learning in your nine to five, like don't sleep on the job that you have. Cause those are transferable skills that will 
equipment. 100%. And I love what you said, girl, like you focus on growing, they focus on maintaining, but like, I know, how big is the writer's block now with the, the contractors and staff that you guys have? Uh, we have about 15 people on staff. So, and guys, I just want you to like, listen to this in perspective. If you are tuning in right now, like turn the volume up. She was doing this while running, like still working a nine to five job. So any insight on how, how were you, I guess, determining what those short-term sacrifices were going to be for your personal life and just about how much time and capacity you even had available to grow a team of double digits and keep executing at your job well and also making sure that the clients that were coming on board were being fully served and supported. Absolutely. So I honestly, I was willing to sacrifice everything. I do not have any ties to, uh, you know, I'm a single woman. I don't have a family. You know, I, I'm just out here in these streets. Like I'm willing to sacrifice sleep. I'm willing to eat bologna and cheese if I have to. Like, you know, I understand. And I was an athlete for several years. I was an Olympic hopeful. So my mindset, I feel like I have a competitive advantage. Like I'm willing to stretch myself because I know it's a short-term uh, sacrifice for a long-term gain. And it's absolutely paid off. Um, so for me, it was about really making sure that communication was being communicated uh, like effectively in terms of like the assignments and the projects that I was giving to my staff, making sure that, you know, they were able to get in touch with me or my assistant um, and just really making sure that we had a great workflow. Everything before, before anything went to the client, you know, there's multiple levels of approval. And I think that it's really important it's really important to just pace yourself. Like I was not in a rush to hit a six-figure income. I knew it would. Ha I knew it would happen. It was just a matter of time. So like I'm not willing to like to mash up my whole company and just like it's not a rat race for me. You know what I mean? Like I play a long game. You know what I mean? So for me, it was just a matter of what sacrifices. You know, maybe my friends are going to have to. You know, just they're just going to have to understand, like my friends don't get emotional if I can't do lunch, right? A lot of people just really understand. And, you know, sometimes friendships fall off the wagon, but for me, it was a matter of, okay, we're going to work as a team. Like, and I think what really, what really helps, like, I don't have high turnover. And what really helps is like, I really want to know from my team members, how does working with me, how does your role with me fit into the bigger picture of your life? Right. And I try to make sure that I over deliver on promises to them to help them reach that goal. I love that. Um, and are you working with more contractors, employees? Is there a healthy mix? Like, what does that look like for you in regards to payroll? Like, are they contractors or employees? Yeah, so I have, I recently hired a director of business development. That's also a secret weapon of mine. And we have, so we lawyered up and we split all profit 60-40. And then um, the remaining of my uh, uh, associates are contractors. Gotcha. And I think that that's amazing that you don't have high turnover with contractors because I know now a lot of the conversations now with the gig economy and everybody's freelancing or offering services, um, especially in a contractor capacity, that there are, I don't know, just issues with maintaining those client relationships with your contractors. So I, I love what you mentioned about just making sure that aligning how is the work they're doing here with you also aligning with their bigger goals and bigger visions. And are you like, how do you, I guess, handle those conversations? Are these like quarterly check-ins that you're having? Or is this something that you've really just ingrained into the culture of your company? 
Um, it's ingrained into the culture of the company, but I also have very great relationships one-on-one with each one of my staff. I think sometimes when you hit, you know, when you're a CEO or a senior executive, like from working a nine to five, I know what it feels like sometimes to feel like you're not being heard or to feel like you're just like a robot or a number in an organization. And I never want my team to feel that way. So we definitely do uh, quarterly check-ins, but we're constantly texting and communicating with each other. Um, so I think that culture is very important. And I'll, honestly, they make a lot of money from me. So I think that also puts a smile on their face too. Like they can feel confident that I'm going to have work for them. That I love that aspect. And one, I know you mentioned when you started the writer's block, you started really working with those green and like buddying entrepreneurs, as you put it. How did you transition from working with maybe like new entrepreneurs, helping them with the writing in the beginning to transitioning into more of the high profile clients that you work with now like how did that how did you evolve your clientele base and what were some decisions that you consciously made as a business owner as an organization to help position you guys for five-figure deals yeah absolutely so I think so the blue ocean strategy some is like a strategy a tactic that I really love it was really about finding that like that white space right like again like with the emergence of social media and blogging it is very saturated and like for a long time you know I knew that I wanted to get into ghostwriting because there aren't a lot of individuals in that space that look like me right so yes I started working with entrepreneurs and smaller businesses because I wanted to leverage those and use those as case studies so that I can use that in pitch meetings for the the bigger end clients. Um, for me, it just, it just made sense. Again, having clarity around the lifestyle that I want, the legacy that I want to leave. You know, for me, there's, there's so many important conversations in the world. And if you look at the people who have the largest platforms, a lot of them are not doing anything with them. So my team acts as the content ninjas to help bridge that gap. How, like, how can we use content through books, keynote speeches, op-eds to really communicate what you're standing on? We help people who have these big platforms or this big influence and are unsure of what to do with it. So, you know, especially with the, you know, emergence of cancel culture, I think many um, individuals are just scared to lend their voice to a certain cause or a movement or a conversation. Um, So we act as the ninja to really uh, effectively strategize how to deliver the core message. This episode was brought to you by my premium program, Services That Sell 2.0. Listen, running your own business comes with a lot of challenges. Converting clients does not need to be one of them. Creating content using live video will guarantee that you stand out from your competition. And packaging a high-ticket signature service ensures that you attract those high-end clients. You know, the ones who are ready to invest and eager to do the work. I created a masterclass training sharing the proven framework that hundreds of coaches and consultants have used to grow an audience of qualified leads rather than a list of lurkers. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop to register for my next training on how to enroll high ticket clients consistently. Learn the proven strategy and simple process I teach inside of my premium program, Services That Sell 2.0. And let me tell you, it really does work. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop today. One thing that I think is interesting about you and something I've always admired about you since I've known you, um, this is something that you had mentioned too, is that one of your rules of thumb is that you can't land a contract 
without a kind. <laughs> yeah. You are like the queen of relationships and like, just know my notebook is open because that's something that I'm working on. How do I get better at developing and strengthening relationships? For everybody listening, they, they're all probably okay. Obviously this woman is a beast at what she does. She delivers excellence, but how is she converting these clients and where is she finding How them? do I even get the meeting? Yeah, how do you get the meeting? So like peel back the layers on what you mean by that. Like, you know, the importance of having relationships with gatekeepers and what it means for you to, how relationships is really equated to your revenue. Yeah, okay. So I think, and I don't even know, honestly, if I can't, so I look for the white space, right? So like, I think when we're scrolling on social media, right? If you were trying to target a particular company or a particular individual, when you're scrolling on social media, when you're reading the news every morning, you have to look for the white space. So to give you an example, so Jennifer Lopez recently, it was announced, well, she, she it's already happened, but it was announced that she was winning the, the Fashion Icon Award for the CFDA, right? And to me, that was that was a light bulb moment because I'm like, okay, she's probably going to need assistance with her acceptance speech, right? Sierra announces, oh, she's, um, she just launched a new company called Beauty Mark. To me, it just makes sense. Okay, I'm going to get in touch with her team because they're likely going to need strategists or content. They, you know, we just see the emergence of all these um, old school brands. So Baby Fat is, uh, is launching. I'm super excited about that. I'm already on it. I got a contact to the office. I think it's just about seeing opportunity and leveraging that white space and not being intimidated by titles because people will always want to work with you as long as you tap into, as long as you help them with a problem, right? So I think that honestly, I'm just not afraid to approach people when I look for the white space. And as long as you're a resource, you will always get paid. Mm. Run that back, y'all. Listen to that a second time through. Because one thing I'm also hearing is that you do a very good job of just maintaining a pulse on your industry and the type of clients that you aspire to work with versus yeah. waiting for them to come to you. You're like, you're waiting for the opportunity so you can go knock on the door. I love it. I like the hunt and like looking for the white space is one of my favorite things to do. Like I, I love that. And also too, I don't give up. Like for instance, there's a few things that I think are really important to keep in mind. For me, what has worked for me is product competency. So I think people need to work on confidence around how, like how am I, once I have those 30 seconds or, you know, once I get an introduction, how do I deliver the message clearly around what I do and what my greatest assets are? Right. I have, I'll give you a short example. So I was introduced to someone in the lobby, the CEO of a co-working space. He, and you, it's very New York. So without even saying, hi, how are you? To just go into like, what do you do? So he asked me what I do. And I, and I told him, I'm a ghostwriter, ABCD. And he was like, I need someone like you. Let's talk, right? Mm -hmm. So literally just knowing and having that confidence around your elevator pitch, that has been a game changer for me because people are attracted to confidence. I think the other thing is just, uh, being very working on your own brand. I, for instance, I have a pitch meeting later today at around two o'clock and I can already, the CEO of this company has been creeping my stories for the last week. Ooh. Right. Exactly. Right. So like you always want to make sure you don't know who's watching what power they hold. You want to make sure that your brand is all the way together because if someone's going to do business with you, they're likely going to do business because they like you. Now, does that mean that just because she's watching my IG stories, I'm going to change who I am? No. Right. I want her to be in love with the real me. Right. So I'm looking forward to this chat to see if we have that synergy and that chemistry from, you know, what she's seen. 
I love that. And it's just like one thing also that I'm hearing is there needs to be a cohesiveness again amongst how you show up in person, what you're like on IG stories, what you're like in the captions. Like I'm hearing just an overall consistency in your product confidence and your, your product competency that if, if she were to catch you in the stories or were to catch you on Facebook or were to catch you wherever, it's not like, whoa, this is a completely different person every single time, which also I feel like probably builds her trust. And you know, she, this is who she is. We're falling in love with her and we know she's going to deliver excellence. Like there's just consistency across the board. Absolutely. And I think another thing to keep in mind is that for me, like there's always money in the follow-up. Now, I think that the average entrepreneur may give up after two or three tries. Um, I've, so to give you a short example, so there's a CEO who I've been seducing. um, That's what I call it. I've been wooing her. (laughs) I've been wooing her for, I wooed her for a year and three months. So I would send an email every few months. I barely got a reply, but I know she would open it because I tracked my emails. After a year and three months, I finally got lunch with her. When I sat down with her at lunch and did my pitch, she was like, okay, cool. Send me the contract. I'll make sure you're, you're financially taken care of. Mm. The average entrepreneur would have given up a long time ago. Honestly, unless someone says, yo, don't email me anymore. I'm going to be in your inbox every once in a while. You know what I mean? So that rarely happens. People, people just, sometimes it's just a matter of they're busy, they're traveling, they have a lot on their plate, it's timing, but there's always money in the follow-up. So it takes time to nurture these relationships. If someone's going to drop five figures on you, like they need time to process that too, right? Yes. And I love that you're saying that. Um, and is there any, I know that you mentioned um, that you really made your life and made your world, your classroom by um, consume. I know you said you listened too much Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs, but what type of resources and investments do you make into making yourself to help you maintain your stamina and the stamina that it sounds like you are producing within your business to like be able to do what you do? Like, how are you, what are you pouring into you for you to be able to execute the way that you do? Uh, physical activity, a hundred percent. Like that is because there's a correlation. I mean, there's many articles on the alignment between physical activity and mental toughness, right? So I have a boxing coach. I have a self-defense coach. I have a, a personal trainer. Now for me, it's not about being skinny. It's about being strong. Um, for one, I travel a lot alone for business. So like, if I need to kick someone's ass, I will. And for two, <laughs> like, and, try me if you want to. <laughs> exactly. And two, honestly, like being able to know that I'm able to conquer something that like seems impossible in the gym. Um, I take those transferable skills and I put it into a deal that I'm negotiating or, you know, lately, you know, I've been feeling kind of down just because I'm dealing with a lot of personal issues, but I'll know I'll get through it and I'll get over it and I'll glow through it. You know what I mean? So I think that, um, pouring into physical activity has been like the best investment I could make. I am right along with you. I just started my workout journey, um, like a few months ago and I've been going to CrossFit and I'm with you. Like there are these moments you're in the gym and you're like, I can't, like, I'm going to die. And then <laughs> you don't die. Like you just keep like that mental toughness, what you're saying is so, so true. So thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that personal health in regards to just being fit and being active, not for the sake of just solely being snatched and summer ready, but for like the mental strength that it gives you. And you mentioned negotiation and I know that we've, we talked a lot about selling individually um, in our conversations. And that's something that I hear you mention all the time about how you've really had to perfect your craft around negotiation. How do you really, 
I mean, just I was just w- curious to know what your thought process is around sales, how you approach sales, and how negotiation and what those negotiation tactics you like you have. Like, what just what's your thought process around it? And how you make how you implement that in your business to convert more clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I use like three uh, strategies that I actually learned from Damon John years ago. So when it comes to selling, um, I think about it three different ways, right? So I either aim to get a new customer to upsell an existing customer or get a current customer to buy more frequently, right? Once I have, like my sales funnel is never empty, right? And once I have people in the sales funnel and I have those conversations um, that are stirring, for me, it's about establishing a valuable relationship right? I focus on what I can give, not what I'm taking. So like, I don't look at my clients as ATMs, right? It's really about, honestly, like, do I want to even work with you? Like, it's a two-way interview process. Um, The other thing is I'm not in a hurry to like close the deal. I know a lot of people may act out of desperation and that's where the, that's where the fumbling the ball really happens. For me, it's about, let's figure out what, like what the game plan is, right? Let's nurture this relationship. Let's like, we, you want to make this, for me, it has to be enjoyable. I show other people, I show my potential clients like how their needs will be met as well. So I kind of take them into my thought process around how I'll execute. And I think like you really want to just like, sometimes I think it's really important to just make the first bid, put a number on the table because I, I mean, you can't talk forever, right? So like at some point you have to put a number on the table and sometimes it's awkward, right? And sometimes they got to think about it, but you have to I do not, yo, Bentleys don't go on sale. You know what I mean? So like, I know, I know my clients, I know my value. And so it's very, when it comes to negotiating, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty tough, like I'm pretty tough in terms of like, I'm not going to discount you like a whole 50%. Like we're not doing that. It's either you want to work with me. You like me, you'll find the money. I will wait if necessary, or you move on to someone who can offer you, you know, Walmart prices. Right. And you, so you know your value, you offer them that, and then you let them make the decision and that's it. Absolutely. So for me in my business model, like my smaller jobs help sustain the business um, so that it buys me time to land those bigger, because I'm not landing $50,000 contracts every day, right? Yeah. So we have smaller, so obviously we have an array of services and we have smaller jobs that help sustain us. Um, and then it helps me, it gives me time to kind of be in the field and negotiate the bigger contracts. I love that. And I'm curious to know now that your, you know, writer's block is, I'm assuming, is that like the predominant source of your revenue? Yeah. Now I want to just speak because I think a lot of the time there's this notion or like this negative perception around if you write or if you're in more creative services that you can't get paid well. I've had a a lot of clients come to me and say, I'm a copywriter or I'm doing freelance writing. There's no, I can't get paid doing that or I'm going to get paid pennies to the dollar. How do you feel like your freelance journalism experience equipped you to be able to do what you're doing now? And um, have you ever, you know, just any words of advice or just what's worked for you in regards to, you know, we're not just doing like the, the cheap copywriting services that I think a lot of the perception, at least in the online space, the digital space. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So my journalism career spans about 10 years. And I think that it's really helped me because I've been able to build a lot of relationships and I now leverage a lot of those relationships. I mean, even the ones that I make because I'm connected to Forbes, um, I leverage those relationships to start meaningful conversations and those conversations turn into leads. Um, I totally understand and I empathize with those individuals um, that say that copy, you know, the writing industry is tough, but that's also why I pivoted from just doing copy for, for the, the smaller business to people who are the likes of 
pro athletes, celebrities, politicians, and, you know, founders. Mm -hmm. I think that you really have to take a look at what, like, do you want to eat bologna and tuna, bologna, bologna, Sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, like mac and cheese or whatever. Say, like, I, that's I no longer in the fridge. Like exactly, I like yo, like I'm just not trying to live that life. And like sometimes your passions, like your profit, does not have to stem from a passion, right? If you have to supplement your income in other ways, there's more than one way to catch fish, right? So like it's really up to the individual to to really figure that out. Like I can't give the roadmap. To me, I understood what I w wanted to do, the lifestyle that I wanted. And I knew that I had to pivot because what I was doing was not working. So I think that's very important. Another thing that's worked for me in terms of attracting jobs and attracting income, I think it's important to know that people cannot read your minds, right? So I'm very shameless when it comes to promoting my stuff. Like I email my friends. I'm like, Hey, this is my focus. This is what I'm working on. How can I help you? right? It's always about how can I be of service to you? I have a spreadsheet. I have a prospect list. Like I, I think it's important for women, especially to raise their hand and tell people what your strengths and your assets are. You can't just wait for the business to just show up on your, in, in your inbox. Mm, because it, even if that individual can't use your services right now or today, they likely have a few friends that can. Yeah. I mean, what does like your time management look like or your action management with the time that you have look like in regards to hunting new prospects, investing in your team and really being a coach and a leader for them, delivering the service to your clients and like the follow-up game. Like you sound like you have a solid process around that. How do you, just what is your time? And then also your personal life. What does your time management look like in regards to that? Yeah, so every so I live, eat, sleep, breathe by my calendar. Like my Google Calendar is color coded. I mean, even my naps are in there. You know what I mean? So I think it's very important to be very meticulous. I think people don't win in sales because of details and discipline. Mm. Right. So I a lot so typically if I'm pitching, it's early in the morning. Like I'm trying to pitch at five or six AM or it's at midnight because I want to be, I'm either want to be the, the last email in that inbox before they go to bed and they're scrolling, or I want to be the first one they see when they wake up. And that's just for me. I just know from working with CEOs and presidents, like I just kind of like understand the habits that way. I think that time management is important. And if you can't do it yourself, then you need to get support. So my assistant is very meticulous in terms of like, we screen who wants to meet with me. I don't do a lot of coffees or lunches. You know what I mean? Like every, a lot of things are virtual because I need to cut down my travel time. Even when I'm traveling, I just came back from LA. I'm on my way to New York. Like when I land, I don't even go to the hotel. As soon as I land at 8 a.m., it's back-to-back -back meetings until 9 like I'm very meticulous with like how I use my time and who I'm meeting with and what the purpose is. Every meeting requires an agenda. Like I'm not just going to shoot the shit with you just because you want to just like breathe on the phone. Like I'm, I think you just have to be detailed. That's it. I love that. And I love your intentionality around it. I think a lot of the time that's like you said, it's the details and the discipline. Like that's where the gap is for a lot of us. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. And um, one thing that I can't remember where we were when you said this, but, you know, we were having a conversation probably like, you know, you get with somebody new. It's like, hey, what's new? And one time you made a comment of like, you know, I'm not actually focused on anything new right now. Yeah. Maintaining <laughs> right. what I have right now. So what, what are you maintaining and what are you excited about maintaining or um, just amplifying what's already working? Like what's going on in your world? What are you maintaining and just amplifying right now? Yeah. So as I talk to you, like I'm peeping over at my whiteboard and I, I have very, very strict goals for this year. And we talked just to jump piggyback on time management. 
whenever I get a request for something, I always refer to my goal setting sheet and I ask myself, does this align or does does this opportunity get me closer to what I want to achieve? Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's very important. Um, And then in terms of maintenance, honestly, I think not enough people take the time to be remarkable where they're at before they want to level up. Yes. I really want to be excellent. When people hear Pollyanna Reed, I want them to associate that with consistency and excellence. Like that's it. That's very important to me. Right. Because we all know someone who does a million things, but actually does nothing. Right. I'm not interested in living that lifestyle. Um, What am I excited about? Honestly, like I'm excited about new opportunity. I'm I'm, I have so many great discussions on the table. Um, I'm just, every time I go into a meeting, I get excited because I want to know like, how can I serve this person and how can I be a part of the legacy that they're building? So it's just, honestly, it's just about maintenance for me. It's not about leveling up or hustling up or any of that stuff. Like I just want to be excellent across the board. So that means in my love life in my career in my family life, like I just, I just want to feel good about the work that I do. I love that. And that's something I've always appreciated with you and something that when you said that really resonated with, because it was like, I think in this culture, in this society, we're so focused on what's next mm-hmm. and that we can, you know, not produce at the level of excellence that we know that we're capable of just to rush the next thing. And it's, that's not adding value to the person that we're trying to serve or to ourselves. And then kind of like the wrap up question here is like, when it comes to you, like what's your relationship with yourself or what your spiritual practice might be? Like, just what do you do for you to keep yourself centered? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a PK, preacher's kid. And uh, for a long time, man, it was like living in a bubble, I will say that. Um, And so I've had to learn to establish this balance between like, like my relationship with God is my relationship and mine alone, right? And I try not to, that's actually the reason why I had to get out of uh, the entertainment world when I was styling because I felt like I was contributing to a problem and not solving it. And so for me, every morning I take time to myself before I reach for my phone, before anyone enters my personal space, that is my time for me to just hang out with God. That is my time to sit with my vision board. My vision board is three feet long on my bedroom wall. That's my time to recite my money mantras. That is my time to, I have this this book by Sarah Young. um, It's called Jesus Calling. And uh, every morning I read a passage. Like for me, like I love the Lord and I love trap music. You know what I mean? So my morning time, it consists of all kinds of hype music consists of energy consists of a workout like I pray so for me it's just like before you enter my space like I gotta get it right I love that thank you so much for your transparency for your authenticity on our chat today I know everybody's like bursting at the seams pausing this episode to go find you online so where can people find you follow you and hire you yeah, absolutely. So my name is pretty uniquely spelled. So I'm on like the first hundred pages of Google. So I'm pretty much on all uh, social media platforms. You can visit com or really my email and my phone number, which I, I find a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. Uh, my phone number is listed on my Instagram. So you can literally just call me and people do it all the time. And that's P-A-U-L-E-A-N-N-A. Last yes. name read R-E-I-D. Just to make sure you guys get it right. Correct. Well, thank you so, so much. Awesome. Thank you. Hey there, Hawk Hustler. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you are ready to turn your side hustle selling services into a profitable online coaching or consulting business, 
visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop. Within just one hour of this free masterclass, yes, free 99, you will have a proven framework to convert not just better clients, but more clients who are willing to pay top dollar consistently. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop and I will see you there.